my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the podcast. Every week I look to interview someone that can help you share your faith naturally with the world around you. In 2023, I'm going to be interviewing people in Australia, also a few from overseas, and then there'll be a few weeks that I'll jump on myself and actually do a little bit of recording with some information that may help. If you're looking to do some coaching and evangelism or as a female in ministry or an online course this year in personal evangelism, please check out our website, evangelisminaustralia.com. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Hey, I have a great discussion for you today. I'm talking with evangelist Andrew Scarborough, and we're talking about dreaming big, evangelizing neighborhoods, cities, and nations. Welcome to you, Andrew. Oh, thank you so much, Tina. It's always a joy to be talking to you and your incredible listeners as well. I know I was just in the car listening to your podcast and it is a resource uh, for our nation and for the nation. So when we talk about uh, reaching a nation, you're doing it. So thanks so much, Tina, for everything that you do. It's good to be with you today. Thank you for your kind words, Andrew. And uh, for our listeners, we actually met when we were both working for the Billy Graham Association in Australia. So it was like a brother and sister meeting up with that passion for outreach and evangelism. And we've continued our friendship since then. So, Andrew, I love this topic, dreaming big, reaching neighbourhoods, cities and nations. And you, in fact, are doing that here in Australia and overseas. The Lord really has spoken to you recently about dreaming big. So I would have always thought that you were a big dreamer anyway, Andrew. So what was the Lord highlighting to you? Yeah, look, I think uh, I've come to realise that we often limit how much we believe we can get done and what impact we believe we can have. And, you know, some of that comes down to, I guess, especially for Australians, what you would call that tall poppy syndrome. And we actually do it on ourselves. So as soon as we begin to rise up in our faith and in our dreams, we can cut ourselves down. But also others can cut us down and they say, oh, no, 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 you know, pull your head in, don't dream so big. Uh, But, you know, it was... 2021, so a couple of years ago, I was in Nigeria and I stood on a platform and in front of me was 350,000 people and uh, we were there with um, a ministry called Christ for All Nations that was founded by um, evangelist Reinhard Bonnke and I just saw the way that a city was being shaken for Jesus and we were in the, you know, in the newspapers for both good and bad reasons. And uh, we were, but we made a massive impact in a city. And I think when I was there, I really realized, you know what? Reinhard Bonnke was a, was a person. Billy Graham was a person, you know, the apostle uh, Paul, uh, Peter, you know, these, these greats that we speak of, they're actually people. Um, and yet they did so such incredible things by stepping out and by having faith. And um, 
when I stood there, I, I guess I began to get a glimpse of, of what does it look like to dream big and to, you know, if you can preach in a church or you can preach on a street corner, maybe you can preach to a city or preach to a nation. And yeah, we've, we've really seen incredible things. If I, if I told you what we're seeing in, in Kenya, for example, I'm overseeing a, a team that's working in Kenya at the moment, actually multiple teams from around the world. And we right now are sitting on around, I think we're at 970,000 documented decisions for Jesus in the nation of Kenya this year alone. And so we're just six months, seven months into the, into the, the time that we've been preaching there and we're about to hit a million decisions. We printed five million books uh, to give out during these these campaigns that we're running. And I just came back from Southeast Asia and we, we saw a whole city and, and region just shaken for the gospel. And I'm starting to ask questions like, how do I meet the president of that nation? And, and you know, who owns that stadium and how do we uh, fill that stadium for the gospel? Or how do we get, you know, the gospel onto secular radio and i think um it yeah it really was birth to answer your question it was it was birth uh standing there in nigeria and just the different experiences that i've had have just elevated that thinking to go yep dream big but what if what if we dreamed really big you know and 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 went for the went for the the not the big for the sake of, you know, flashy and I'm going to be a history maker and all this, you know, s- stuff, which is all all fine, uh, but big because there are so many people that need Jesus and it takes a generation to win a generation. And if we only think small, how are we going to reach these billions of people on planet Earth? So there you go, Tina. It's been a it's been a, a bit of a season of upgrade for me in terms of lifting my eyes and, and seeing the harvests are a little bigger and, and whiter than I, mm. I realised. It's so inspiring just hearing that. And I can't even imagine, Andrew, what it would be like to stand in front of that many people, you know. And you're the one telling us, telling me today that, yep, all of those heroes of faith are just people. And same with yourself. Now we've got an Aussie guy. <laughs> from Melbourne, Australia, standing on a stadium, preaching thousands and thousands of people and seeing people come to faith, which is extraordinary. So when I think of myself, you know, this is challenging because I want to dream bigger just in my city that I live in. What are the things that you think for Aussies? Because I feel like it's easier for me to dream bigger if I go overseas, but something happens it's the tall poppy syndrome, of course, because people go, oh, well, you can't, you can't do that or why are you doing that? What stops us as individual believers or what stops us as pastors of churches for dreaming that little bit more with what God may want to do? Yeah, look, I, I really do believe it's fear. You know, fear is the enemy of evangelism. Fear is the enemy of, of kingdom advancement. But perfect love casts out fear and you know, I don't want to take that verse, you know, out of context, but the principle is is solid that when you love someone, fear goes out the window. A couple of months ago now, I was in Bendigo and my son was walking around barefoot 
uh, outside reading a book and just enjoying the day. And someone came up to me and said, there's, there's a snake outside. We need to get everyone inside. I was doing an evangelism training and, um, they said, everyone into the hall and there's, there's this deadly snake outside. And I said, whereabouts is it? And this person took me outside and they said, it's right there. And it was literally right where my son was standing barefoot. It was just in the garden bed next to him. And, you know, I yell at him. I say, run to me, son, run to me, you know, and I'm, I'm going to collide with him and grab him and pick him up in my arms. That snake's going to bite me before it bites him, you know. It was this significant moment of like, I don't care about the danger to myself. I need to get my son off the ground now because he's not wearing any shoes because I love him. And I think that fear stops us uh, because we go, well, what if I fail? You know, what if I write to the council and they, and they, they, don't give me the permit to hold the event down at the local park or what if I knock on my neighbor's door and and they don't answer uh, the door or I share my faith with them and they don't respond well what if what if what if but you know what if they do what if you do get the permit what if they do respond to the gospel what if they do open the door and I think our love needs to be greater than our fear and our almost optimism, if I can put it that way, and faith that would say, you know what, we can do this. So, yeah, in short, fear is what stops people, but love really is the answer. And how much do you love your neighbour? You know, I'm challenged by that constantly. Do I really love my neighbour as myself? If that's the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbour as as yourself, then I need to fall in love, not just with God, but with my neighbor. And, you know, as well as I do, Tina, that so often you call a prayer meeting, the place is packed. You know, you want to you worship, like let's have an encounter night and the church is packed. Everyone wants to worship Jesus. Then you say, let's do evangelism training. And people are like, it's just crickets, you know, yourself and the paid staff members uh, at the evangelism training. And it's like, what's going on here? And I think we as a nation and and as believers as christians if if you call yourself a christian you need to fall in love with the lost again you need to fall in love with your neighbors again because that will uh cast out fear yeah a hundred percent i agree with this i think it is fear that stops us it's actually quite paralyzing when you think oh what if the council does say no, or what if my neighbour says no? If I, you know, say something about Jesus, or they give me that speak to the hand type attitude, I mean, I personally know that you have overcome those times. You know, you've been able to experience the no's, to experience the disappointments, like all of us. Even the greatest evangelists in the world experience the disappointments, but you're still here. You're still passionate about reaching your city, reaching nations for Jesus. What do you say to yourself to overcome those times of disappointments, Andrew? It's a good question because, you know, I have them on the micro and the macro, you know, in the small and in the in in the big. You have to think that, that the yes is going to be worth all the no's. For me, often I I look at myself and I go, you know, it was a man in a bar who came up to me and said, God loves you so much and you have to come back to him. That changed my whole life forever. And, you know, 
I have to see, you know, for every person that says, nah, mate, not interested, you know, there will be someone that says, wow, thank you so much, you know. And that's something that I'm, that I'm really learning is no is just getting you closer to a yes. And, you know, people that are in marketing and sales, you know, they know this to be true. You know, the reality is you have to knock on so many doors before you get a yes. But I always say this, you know, 100% of the people you don't share your faith with won't receive the gospel, at least from you. And 100% of the people that you don't pray for to get healed won't get healed, at least through you, you know. So if you don't speak, I mean, thank God for the rocks that they'll cry out, but I don't think we should get that far. I think that we shouldn't be silent. The rock shouldn't have to cry out. We, you know, and, and evangelism is the greatest adventure in the world. When you see people get it, you know, I'm, oh, I could tell you just the stories. There's so, so many stories. But when, when you see that person, you know, spiritually go, it's like their eyes get opened. I mean, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs, all of those miracles. But nothing compares to someone's spiritual eyes being open and they realize their sin is forgiven and that they are guaranteed to go to heaven. And it's just the most beautiful thing. So I would encourage people to just open your eyes, um, open your ears to the cries of the lost and then enjoy the reward as well. And too often we focus on all the people that said no, all the people that rejected, but we don't celebrate the goodness of the life that we did see get transformed, the seed that we did sow, and it it brought an increase. It, in fact, it multiplied. I'll just share quickly the, you know, I just got off the phone today with a dear friend and he was my boss at work. And I this was years ago, many, many years ago, I think I was 18, 19, working at a pub. And, you know, over time, and it took years and years of relationship, I led him to the Lord, his wife to the Lord. I did his daughter's dedication at church. And now I'm praying for, for his, uh, his parents to come to know the Lord because mum's just been diagnosed with, you know, an aggressive form of brain cancer. And, and, you know, who does he want praying? He's like, Andrew, pray, pray for my mum, pray for my mum. And, um, but the beautiful thing is he's praying as well. In fact, his mum's dad just passed away. And at the funeral, he was the one leading the prayers. He was the one sharing the gospel with those at the, at the funeral. And so we just have to sow and you never know the seed you sow. That was, that was nearly 20 years ago that I led this man to Lord. And now he's being an ambassador for Christ in his family and in his community. And so the reward is, it's eternal, it's beautiful. And uh, I would just say to people, you know, just jump in, give it a go, share your faith, share your testimony and dream big. You know, actually believe that your friends, that your neighbours, that your co-workers can get saved uh, because you got saved. And if you could get saved, then anyone can get saved. At least that's the case for me. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
it's definitely the case for me, that's for sure. I'm still pinching myself some days. So let's talk about nations because uh, I love the fact that you, uh, you're living the life, you like me, you're trying to reach out to your, your neighbourhood, to individuals that are around you, but you also have this uh, amazing calling and capacity to be a part of taking the gospel to nations. So I want to know a little bit about that and I want to know, did working or did going to do your studies and schooling with Christ for All Nations, Reinhard Bonnke's ministry, run by Daniel now, but did that shape that approach of how you would approach to even think about uh, how do we win nations, how do we declare the gospel in a nation? Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. What it did for me is it gave me tools and it, it helped break things down for me. The Christ for All Nations, they have a, a boot camp, they've got a thing called a school of evangelism, they've got another thing called a fire camp. Those kinds of trainings but especially the boot camp, which is three months based in Orlando, it gave me the tools, it gave me the steps. You know, I remember, you know, many times, you know, in in services, in, you know, even praying in, in my room, you know, the Lord putting nations on my heart, you know. You begin to cry when you see pictures of, of Indonesia or China or, or Nigeria or, or, you know, where, wherever it is. Um, there's been seasons where I've just wept over Australia, you know. But how do we then put those tears into action? You know, that whole, uh, we, we see it so clearly in Scripture, faith without works is dead. How do we put our faith into works, into action? And the training, you know, really helped. And that's why I'd encourage people even, you know, to engage in, in the trainings that you have, Tina, online and, and to get equipped in evangelism on whatever level it is, you know. So people often ask me, Andrew, what would you have done differently uh, in your journey as an evangelist? I would have received training sooner. I would have found someone and said, you're living it. You're seeing people get saved. You're, you're, you're changing nations. You're seeing revival. How can I learn from you? And I would have just attached myself to someone and just sucked the life out of them in that way, you know. Um, and any time I heard of anything in the world of evangelism, I would have been there to learn. Um, it's so funny because we'll spend so much time, energy and effort, you know, learning how to maybe uh, be a better cook or learning how to, you know, even though we, we might not pay for it, we pay for it with our time. By, by watching videos on parenting or by watching videos on, you know, on sport and how to get a better golf swing or how to have a better kick on the football field. And we'll spend, you know, time in these classes and on, you know, watching videos online, all of this, but rarely do we spend time getting equipped as an evangelist. And someone once said, if it's good news, why do we share it so badly? You know, this is the best news in the world. And so for me, the training really helped me go, okay, this is how I book a stadium. This is how I meet the pastors in the city. This is how I, um, you know, meet the government officials. And and the Lord actually, you know, it was just a, f- a funny aside, but I used to have longer hair and quite a beard. <laughs> and the Lord actually said to me one 
day, you know, which that can sound funny for people. It was was just a like a thought, a whisper that came in my in my mind. Cut your hair, shave your beard. I'm about to put you in front of, you know, kings and presidents. You know, but that was something they taught us at boot camp, this uh, evangelism training in Orlando. They said, you know, always have a suit ready to go when you're on these trips because you never know when the mayor or the governor is going to request a meeting with you. And we've seen that, you know, I was just just at the governor of, of this region in Southeast Asia. I was just at his house and praying for him, praying for his wife, you know, and you learn you learn to carry yourself in a certain way. So I would just say to people to, you know, what shifted for me was getting equipped and I'd encourage people to get equipped. And if that looks like how do I knock on my neighbor's door, find someone that knows how to knock on doors, even get a job doing door knocking for a little while, learn how to knock on a door and have a conversation with a stranger. And if it looks like booking a stadium, find someone that knows how to book stadiums you know if it looks if it looks like uh, meeting presidents find someone they are actually out there and most of them i know for myself i'm desperate for an intern i'm desperate for people to run with me you know and i desperately wanted it when i was starting out so i know there are people out there that are starting out and they have no idea how to do it and so don't think that the person that's further ahead than you doesn't want to pour into you they do all you need to do is ask and say hey can i learn from you because there was once a time when they needed to learn and maybe they had someone and maybe they didn't but they're going to want to pour into you so um get equipped that's what i'd say yeah i love that that's a fantastic answer now let me ask you about what your life looks like because i'm sure people are interested in well, what does even this, every evangelist is different. Um, every person, you know, like every person on the planet is different. We're all leading different lives. But as an evangelist, what does your life look like in Australia? And I noticed that uh, there's a new name of your ministry. Most people were following the Scarboroughs, or if you weren't, you should should be. I'd encourage you to do that. But I know you've changed the name of the ministry to fireandrain.international. No, it's not something new. You've been doing this for a long time. What does life look like for you as an evangelist and why the why the name change and why that name? Yeah, so look, the fire and rain comes from Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So the picture that, that I got was that we're in a spiritual drought in many nations and if we want the spiritual drought to be broken, fire must first fall on the people of God um, for the rain to come. So we say, you know, that we want to reach the lost and revive the found. So uh, it's a bit of a two-pronged ministry. So yes, we're going out there and we're preaching the gospel to people that have never heard the gospel and seeing people give their lives to Jesus. But we also want to revive those that would call themselves a Christian, but maybe they've lost the passion to see the spiritual drought broken. They've, they're not calling down the fire of heaven anymore. They're kind of satisfied with what they've got. So that's where it came from, um, and, and we're really passionate about seeing the church, you know, on fire for the Lord, if that makes sense. There's, you, you can tell when, when there's hunger for the Lord and hunger for the lost, and we desperately need that. 
Um, and you know, look, w- what does life look like for an evangelist? It's a great question. Last night it looked like me, you know, driving down to the store getting a replacement MacBook because I tripped on a cord and smashed my computer. <laughs> and then you know, sharing Jesus with the guy that was serving me in the in the Apple store. He's a Brazilian guy, doesn't go to church anymore. Used to go to church, you know. Gave him my number, said I'd love to take him to church with me. And um, so, you know, it looks like the day-to-day knocking on the neighbor's door the other day and just offering to mow his lawn, you know. But then it also looks like, you know, pulling out a calendar and saying, okay, what invitations can I say yes to and what can I say no to? You know, what does it look like? Um, Even now I've got my calendar in front of me and I'm going, okay, I've got to preach at, you know, a local church on Sunday, and then I've got to go to the US and speak at a conference. And then, you know, what does it look like to have a ton of fun with my kids in between and to date my wife? And, uh, you know, my family just came with me to, to Southeast Asia, and my kids were sitting on the stage with me. And there's over 10,000 people in, in, in front of them. And my son says, I just want to see a miracle. And sure enough, miracle after miracle, deaf ears and, and people that were, that were crippled and blind eyes. And he's seeing all of these miracles. It was absolutely stunning. And so we have seen just the, the faithfulness of God for our family. So being an evangelist, it looks like both the day-to-day of just doing life and sharing my faith with people here in Australia, but it also looks like you know, a lot of meetings, a lot of travel, a lot of, you know, strategizing. It took us nine months to pull off our, our last event that we did, which was quite a, um, a significant event. Now we're looking at Cambodia. Actually, one of the things I'd encourage people to do is have a newspaper in one hand, a Bible in the other. I think it was Carl Barth that first um, spoke of that, um, but it's been picked up by evangelists as we go. So, you know, I'm looking at Cambodia, I'm researching Cambodia, I'm aware that one leader has just transitioned to his son. They were both at the um, celebration of the church in Cambodia. They had a 100-year anniversary and both attended the anniversary. So there's a softness, there's an openness right now for the gospel in Cambodia. So I'm learning, I'm having meetings, I'm strategizing, and then I'm going, you know, I'll be in Southeast Asia in October, doing a scouting trip, and uh, we'll be doing some more events there. So it's a very varied life, actually. Um, and and one day I'm literally, you know, like last week I was in Brisbane promoting the, the Next Awakening Australia event that'll be coming to Queensland. And then a couple of days later, I flew to Singapore um, for meetings about Cambodia and and more work in other nations in Asia. So it's fun. It's never boring. And I, but the most important thing is that I'm guarding my relationship with the Lord and my relationship with my family. And so that's something that we've actually, it is the foundation on which, you know, we build everything is, is God and, and family. And then ministry kind of flows out of a place of health mm. uh, rather than lack. Yeah. That's a fantastic answer, Andrew, and 
really, really interesting. So I'm going to drop into the show notes all the links that you need to stay in touch with Andrew. I mean, why don't you consider um, if you're looking for an evangelist to come to your church or to your city um, or your nation, you may be listening from overseas, consider contacting and reaching out to evangelist Andrew Scarborough. So fireandrain.international. And all those links will be in the show notes so you can click on and stay connected to Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Don't forget to check out onmissionwithgod.com. Love to see you in the course this year. Have a great week and see you next time. We're here to tell a story.